So, uh, okay, can I have my uh, slide, Lucy? We're starting a new series today, and uh, I really want to, oh, just enjoy that for a minute. That was me. <laughs> I, was, I was a bit more chiseled in those days, and uh, they're actually hair extensions. They weren't, uh, I had hair, but wow. And uh, so I want to actually use some time this summer uh, to talk about some of our key uh, uh, cultural pieces as a church, waves that we ride as a church, because as you get to know who we are, and every church is unique, um, uh, across a city, every church is unique, across a country, every church is unique, because we have unique callings as communities, some to reach nearby communities, some to reach further afield, some work into some areas of church life, others into others, and I just feel to bring, uh, for a little while, some of the key uh, areas of teaching, waves, tidal things that we move with in our church. And so if you've joined us in the last few years, you might find this interesting and hopefully to develop and stir you up. But again, it's not going to be dry teaching. I, I really, I've come on a little bit early, so I'm going to have some time at the end, Paul. We're just going to pray together and trust God to move. But I want to talk to begin with about one of the very core cultural areas uh, of ours as a church. Uh, some years ago, Vicky and I went and we were ministering in San Francisco. And um, I, I went over there and I was at a, a school for, for young people, like an evangelism school. And I was there. I was there actually to teach leadership. We turned up in San Francisco and met the people there. And we got to know some of the people uh, uh, there. It was, a, it was a center right down in downtown San Francisco. And uh, as we met different students and different people, there was a repeated phrase. It came from the, the leader, the, the girl that had invited us, and from a few others, that they were evidently having a bit of a tough term with this group of students, about 30 of them. And, and so the tutors were the first ones to say, you know what, we're really struggling to see anything happen. Uh, and then I'd meet a student, how's it going, da-da-da-da-da, and it would always seem to come in, but nothing ever happens around here. And da-da-da-da, we've all all this teaching, how's it going, I'm talking to another one, nothing ever happens around here. Can you, can you say, nothing ever happens around here? Uh, it's not a good sign when a group of people are going, nothing ever happens around here. So I'm, I'm getting this repeated, yeah, not a lot is happening. So right, okay, well, whatever. And so we arrived, I don't know, on the Saturday or the Friday night. And my teaching was every morning, Monday to Friday. So, you know, we saw San Francisco and, uh, and hung around. Very, very cool and very interesting place. Got accosted by lots of homeless people on the streets. A lot of fun. And uh, so anyway, I got to Monday and I, I got out my notes on leadership and I, I went for it. And I got to the end of my morning and I thought, hmm, not a lot is happening <laughs> around here. So I'm like, right, okay, well, that's interesting. So I thought, well, I'll put a few more funny stories in Tuesday morning and see if that causes anything to kind of give a little bit. So, I, you know, I add a few more stories into my notes and then I get up on a Tuesday, right, I'm really going to go for it. Maybe it's the jet lag. I'm really going to go for it this time. And I went for it. And I kind of got to the end of the morning and I was like, blooming heck, this is hard work. Nothing seems to be happening around here. So uh, then, then I got to Wednesday and I put even more funny stories in. I thought I'll use a cute British accent. They'll like that. So, I, you know, I'm trying to work them as much as I can and get this slightly miserable group that seemed to be totally disengaged to do something uh, and to, you know, at least respond in some way that looks like they were interested. And yet they were, when you talk to them, devoted people who love Jesus. But it was really boring. I was boring. I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> work with me. I know, you know, 
And then it got to mid-morning on the Wednesday and I looked at them and it was like a little bit of, it was like a eureka moment, like a veil had been lifted from my eyes. And I looked at them and I suddenly realized what was wrong. And I closed my Bible and I looked and I said, are you guys filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, half the room sat back in shock as if I'd said, you know, is Jezebel your mother or something like that? You know, is your middle name Judas? You know, they were kind of, woo! Uh, no, and then so I'm like, well, t t tell me about that. Well, we're not, some were like, we're not so sure about that kind of thing. And the others were, well, I come from a Baptist church and I've learned all my life that the things of the spirit stopped at the, you know, the, the, the end of the kind of biblical age. These kind of things don't happen anymore. And, uh, uh, and they, were, they were kind of skirting around the issue. You could see it was a mixed room. And then they go, well, does anybody in this room speak in tongues? There's 30 people there there were two hands that kind of went like this. The room parted as if a demon had appeared in the room. So I said to this one guy in the front row, because he'd gone, yeah, I, I kind of used to. And I'm like, right, well, speak in tongues now. Can you imagine what that's like? <laughs> Speaking to, he's like, what, right, now, here. I said, yeah, go on, just even if it's a whisper, Give us a bit of something, you know. And so he whispered a little bit in tongues and the room parted even more. They, they scattered to the edges of the room. I say, guys, you've been telling me all week, nothing ever happens around here. And I've suddenly discovered why. It's because the only one that can make anything happening is not invited into your lives. If Jesus didn't start ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter three, what makes you think? Why are you so arrogant? I remember there was one American girl just sat to this side of the arch. She was about three rows back. And I looked her, I got about this far away from her. And I said, what makes you think if the son of God doesn't minister till he's filled with the spirit? Isn't it incredibly arrogant to think that you can go and evangelize the world without the Holy Spirit? Well, she cried. And it wasn't out of, no, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. She wanted to punch me. <laughs> she was like, you're doing So that was it. I turned all my leadership talking into talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, by the end of the week, they were shaken under the power of the Holy Spirit. They were having visions. They were going out on the streets, giving words of knowledge to homeless people. They were praying for people. They, and then they were all going, just after we left, all going somewhere in Asia. I can't remember where it was, but somewhere in Asia, they were going to do street work. And they said, we went out on the streets. We were giving words of knowledge. We were praying for the sick. We were leading people to the Lord. When it got hard, we'd all get back together and going to go, this is getting a bit tough now. So they said, so we'd pray for the Holy Spirit. And then we'd say, what was it that weird English guy said? And they'd tell one of my stories, you know me and stories. They'd tell one of my stories and then they'd all go out again and go for it. Nothing ever happens until the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. There's a dynamic. If you have a Christianity where when you look at your own temple, you go, nothing really happens around here. Let me tell you what the issue is. You need to seek the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life to transform you because nothing ever happens to any of us until God comes to live in our house, right? So it's about God living in this house, God living in this house, God living in our homes. He is the one that makes things happen. He changes the bank balance. He helps the kids to get straight. Out. He's the one that heals our bodies. He's the one that wakes us up in the middle of the night and suddenly everything that was disastrously confusing is suddenly clear. I know what to do. You have those eureka moments when you go, I've got it. It suddenly makes sense. God spoke and now I know what to do. It is the Holy Spirit that does that in our lives. And to be honest, we're proud, arrogant and self-obsessed if we ever think I can do this. It's a self-improvement program. I'll just read the Bible and I will obey. 
the Bible. Let me tell you a secret. No one's ever managed it yet. You might obey one bit of it, but then you slip up in the other. And just when this bit's going right, that bit's going wrong. Anybody? We need grace. The, The limitless, empowering presence of God that is undeserved to help us to live as we know we should and we know he wants us to. It's the grace of God. And Church is meant to be a place, this is one of our waves, where you encounter the grace and the power of God. If we go to my first slide, let me read one of a few scriptures we're going to look at this morning. Listen to this story, Jacob. Jacob's on the run. Bit of Old Testament here, Genesis 28, 10 to 19. Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. He's on the run. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending. Anybody need a few angels to descend? Oh, yabba dabba do. There above it stood the Lord and, and he said, and what he said isn't the point of my story, but he, he, he speaks to him about his life and his future. Next slide, please. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. The only one that makes anything happen of value is when we can say the Lord is in this place. Not the preacher was good or the music was good or the seats were comfortable or the aircon was just right. It's broken this morning, by the way, hence the doors being open. It's when God walks in, you go, oh, this is, this is the essence of everything my heart has longed for. I thought it longed for a good church. It didn't really. It longed for God. Surely the Lord is in this place. And here's our problem. I was not aware of it. Sometimes we don't even know what we're looking for. He was afraid. This is why a lot of people don't always like church that has God in it. Why? Because church that we can humanly control and understand is, you know, I, it's, it's singing, it's talking, it's social action. It's, and all those things are good. Of course, they're just things of life. But when God's in the place, most of us go, whoa, this just got a bit real. You know, I remember as a teenager, whenever the Holy Spirit was mentioned, you know, I mean, an altar call, I would run out the door. I, I remember running out of a Derek Prince meeting, quick as I could. The Holy Spirit had been mentioned. There were demons coming out. So I'm like, oh, I think I'll go out with my demons instead. And um, he was afraid and said, how awesome in this place. It's none other than the house of God. Look around you. Look around you. Not not, not at the the room. Look at the people. And whisper to yourself, this is the house of God. It's where he lives. He lives in us. Doesn't live in the seats. Doesn't live in the walls. God's chosen to live in us. That's the beauty of it all. This is the house of God. So what is the house of God? The house of God, oh, are you ready? Is the gate of heaven. Yabba dabba do. It's the place where God walks into our worlds and everything changes. That's what church is supposed to be. That's the, the tide that we as a church move on. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, which means the house of God. What is the house of God? The house of God is, 
is us. The house of God is angels ascending and descending. The house of God is the gate of heaven. God turns up. It is the place on earth. When we gather, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. It's the place where people should walk in and go, I feel like those people gathered, they worship God and God creaked open the door of heaven and popped in to say hi. Healing started to happen. Things were changed. My depression was lifted. My body was healed. My confusion was sorted out because God was in that place. Right, that's what church is meant to be. I remember uh, we, I grew up abroad, my, so my, my family, we lived abroad. And while we were away, my mum's my dad died and they still lived in, in Nottingham. So my mum travelled over to the United Kingdom for the funeral and she went to the, to, the, to the mall kind of to say a kind of a goodbye, if you know what I mean, just to go and see him and say goodbye. And he was there and he looked, he looked fine. She walked up and gone, it was, it was granddad. And she said, I just wanted to reach out, like you would have done if he'd just been lying there ill, and pat his hand and say, be okay, dad, it'll be okay. And as she reached out and touched his hand, suddenly the realization, he's not there. That's not him. Dad's gone. When people reach out and touch the church, do they go, ooh, he's there. A little bit awesome, a little bit afraid. Something from another world is there. That's, that was the headline in the Times when the Welsh revival was going on 100 years ago. Something from another world is at work in Wales. One of the miners who had been in a mining explosion said the atmosphere around the Welsh revival when God was being poured out in the country of Wales, he said it was like a mining explosion. There was divine debris in the air. You, could, you know how it just gets all dusty. You know, imagine like, you know, when the Twin Towers fell, you saw the streets were just clouds of dust. He said, Wales, there was divine debris in the air. You just, you breathed it in and breathed it out. God was everywhere. Oh, the church is meant to be the gate of heaven. It's who we're called to be. How's about we get some divine debris in the air? When we gather and, and when we gather in our smaller groups and even as we go through our working life, how about have some people that, like said to my parents, uh, uh, a young uh, a mother and a child used to come to our, our house when I was little and one of the plaques we had on the fireplace, so we're going back to the early 70s, it said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Years later, this man writes to our family saying, I used to love going to your house. When my mum said, we're going there, I go, we're going to the special house. There was something about that house. Now he's saved and serving the Lord. How's about some divine debris in your house? Well, you didn't even know it till 20, 30 years later, but people are walking in, you know. Sometimes I wonder when certain people just come and, you know, we have workmen come through our house and some of them linger a bit long and I'm like, what are they lingering for? Are they feeling something? Is something going on here? Or are they just, you know, fancy Vicky? I don't know. It's just, you never, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Sorry. The house, not of singing, not of people. It's where we gather to be the house of God. That's who we're called to be, amen? Does that make sense? And so we've got we've to have that. Phil Pringle in, in Australia, his church it would ride the same kind of wave that we do. Now, he was saved out of the whole Jesus movement, again in the 70s, saved out of a whole druggy background and all this kind of stuff. And... and um, but God invaded him. He met God through a power encounter. 
And, uh, and his house ended up having, they'd have, they had a revival in their house, basically. People would come, people on drugs would come, turn up, and they would just sit in the living room because the presence of God was so strong in the living room. One guy sat there for three days, just did, did cold turkey in the presence of God and came out healed. Now he would say, he would say, this is what church is. We provide a place for people to come and encounter Jesus. And everything we're trying to do as a church and develop is this. We're not creating a platform for great music, great songs, great preaching. Look how cool we are. We want to be a gateway so that people walk in and go, God was in that place. God was in that place. And because um, there's a promise, you see, of greater glory. If you go to the next slide, we are promised a knowledge of the glory of God. Now, the glory of God is God revealed. Okay, not God hidden, not God being a polite Englishman behind the scenes, but God being all American. Right, when God comes out and goes, I'm here, and he does his name, he heals, he sanctifies, he sets free, and he, and he does. Look at this scripture. This is a scripture from 2 Corinthians that compares the old covenant with Moses and the new covenant. And just look at some of the wording. Now, if the ministry that brought death, so we're talking about Moses and the law there, we can't keep it, therefore we die. That's where they use that terminology. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory. Remember, Moses' ministry came with glory. The covenant came with glory. Moses would meet God and he would shine with the glory of God. Physically, they're all terrified of him. He had to walk around with a tea towel over his face because he shone. They, if you're a, a child of Israel, you would know as you went through the wilderness, your, your Reebok trainers, they're never going to run out. Why? Because there's glory come with this new covenant. There's glory that came with it. And so their clothes didn't wear out every morning. If you were having a crisis of faith, you sat in your tent and you went, Levi, I'm not sure if God's real or not. Well, we'll look outside the tent in the morning. If there's manna on the floor, be pretty obvious that God's real because he's providing for us miraculously every day for 40 years, you dipstick. <laughs> having a crisis of faith, go look in the wardrobe, pick up my Versace suit. I've had it 39 years and it still fits. Look at the bottom of my trainers. The tread isn't even going on the bottom of my trainers. What do you mean there is no God? You dipstick. In other words, God wasn't hiding. We're having a crisis of faith. Levi, watch later. Step outside a minute. Look towards the tabernacle. It's night. What do you see above it? A pillar of fire. God making himself obvious. That's what the glory of God is. I make myself revealed. And here it's saying, now if the ministry that brought death, Moses, came with glory, clothes that didn't wear out, food, fire, clouds, and lots of other signs and wonders, which was engraved on letters in stone came with glory, so the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was. Listen to this. Will not the ministry of the Spirit, this is us now, be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation, the law, was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. In other words, when you see the glory of these people today under the new covenant, whose sins are washed away, who trust God by faith and have the Holy Spirit living in their hearts, when you see that glory, you'll say Moses didn't even have glory. Yeah. We're promised greater glory. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with surpassing glory. And if what was transitory, uh, 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 fading away, came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? 
We are meant to know God moving. You're not meant to have a house that goes, God doesn't do anything around here. You're not meant to have a ministry, a connect group, a team that goes, yeah, but God doesn't do anything around here. You're meant to, if we ride the wave right, to go, look at what God just did. Oh, my giddy aunt. God just moved. Look at that healing. Look at that sign. Look at that wonder. Where does all of this come from? Well, I've, I've tagged at the end of the chapter, so I jumped from 11 to 18. But from 12 to 17, it continues to talk about the difference between the two covenants. But we'll jump to the end for the sake of time. And we all, who with unfailed faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Oh, turn to the person next to you and say, you're glorious. And then wait. One, two, three, four, five. Now tell them, and you're even more glorious now. <laughs> you old smoothie. We're meant to be experiencing more and more and more and more and more and more of the glory of God, God revealed in our lives, in church services, in the workplace. I mean, what we saw from Rooted was these guys are experiencing ever-increasing glory. God's done more. And, and guess what? I pray that they'll stand up in a year's time and go, and look, God's done even more. And a year after that, and even more. And to be honest, at some point, we'll start to go, we're surpassing Moses' glory. We're seeing more and more and more and more and more and more. And God begins to move. Where does this come from? It says down the bottom there, um, we're being transformed to his image with ever-increasing glory. It says, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. All this increase of the reality of God breaking out in our world comes from us knowing the Holy Spirit, having him in our world and seeing our world transformed. That's where it comes from. As we get to know and be filled with the Holy Spirit, greater and greater things break out in and around us. Um, uh, as a church in, in, um, in the 90s, I had a vision of the glory of God breaking out across the United Kingdom and Europe. I saw God's presence hitting Parliament. Who knows we need that? God's, God's glory hitting the royal family, hitting the media. I mean, there are great things to come in our nation. In fact, if we actually looked back 30 years from now, when I roughly started out in ministry 27 years from now, some of the things going on right now, we would go, wow, we never would have expected that. We've got to realize and stand back sometimes and go, wow, glory to glory. In fact, you know, in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were saved. Today, over 170,000 people are saved every day. Over 170,000 people are saved every day in the world. The Holy Spirit giving birth to new sons of God. Yabba dabba do. I mean, there's incredible miracles going on around the world. And it all comes, this increasing glory comes from our understanding of the Holy Spirit. And if we are going to touch this city and this region and this nation and beyond, we need to stay on track with our understanding of the Holy Spirit as a family and say, God, just because we've not seen everything yet, we're trusting you that our best days are ahead of us. Ever increasing glory. Amen. So it comes from the movement of the Holy Spirit. Pop the next slide up. And of course, on the day of Pentecost, this is Acts chapter two. That's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. 
uh, and the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that divided, separated, and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We know that this happens again and again through the book of Acts. So it's not just one outpouring, but many outpourings through the book of Acts and beyond. Now it says they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Everybody say bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken, utterly amazed. Everyone say utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans, how it is that each of us hears them in our own language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed. Say perplexed. I like the word perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. The result of this incredible outpouring, God creaking open the door of heaven and pouring out something bewildering, perplexing and amazing is that 3,000 got saved in a single service. Let's put it that way, right? And miracles and signs and wonders began to break out in the church. Within 100 years, there was a church in almost every city in the known world because the Spirit of God fell. And I tell you, the one thing they couldn't say is, nothing ever happens around here. God is the one that makes it all happen. See, here's my point. We are devoted to outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Because through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we go from glory to glory. We're meant to be a place that creaks open the door of heaven and God moves. And if like me, you, you might be now, like I was, a little bit scared of the things of the Spirit, that's fine. You just got to tell yourself, well, it's only Jesus. It's Jesus who loves me and likes me and wants the best for me. And, and also tell yourself, I don't have to become like everyone else. It's God filling me, yes. not God turning me into some preacher off the TV. It's God filling me. So that things happen in my life. So, you know, to some it's going to come out real quiet and some it's going to come out real loud and some it's going to happen real bold and others it's going to happen real skillful and clever and, you know. But you've got to allow the Spirit of God to pour out. One of the great outpourings that we've had in the church, if I do a little bit of our, our recent heritage, really. I remember in August 2011, picking up some of our youth from a meeting. And there was about six of them, I believe it was, that were completely overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were, they were just, well, they've had too much wine. Um, they were legless in Jesus. They were just overwhelmed. So if God's real, his power can fill your physical body. You're going to feel something. You think, well, that's a bit weird. Okay, go stick your finger in a plug and tell me if you feel something. If you touch heaven... You touch God, you're going to sense something. Now, some of you might go, well, I never sense anything. I really am a nothing ever happens around here person. Can I encourage you? Because we've all been through that stage too. Keep seeking. Get hungry. Because there's often a distance and a dullness in us that we have to work through. Because essentially when we get saved, we're supposed to become separate from the world. But most of us get saved and just carry on really dull. But actually something can happen that we start to go, wow, I didn't understand it. This, God was in the place and I was not aware of it. I walked out the meetings and I heard some people go, that was an amazing worship service. And I always thought, really, was it? 
You have to work through that and go, I am going to get to know the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus died not just to give me a ticket to heaven when I die. He died so that I could know the power of God in my life today. So I'm going to work through. I'm going to seek through. One of our leaders struggled to speak in tongues for years. He would cry about it, get irritated about it, frustrated about it. And then one day away at a conference and all the other elders are praying for him, helping him, feeling sorry for him because he's frustrated by it. It's okay to get frustrated by the things of the Spirit because that's part of the Seeking. God isn't hiding so you can't find him. He's hiding so you can. Yeah. Okay. And in your seeking, you will find someone that changes you forever. But when you find him, you'll start to go, whoa, something's happening around here. I think I stumble into the gate of God. I stumble into the presence of the king and stuff's going to begin to break out. That man went on to have and does today an incredibly influential life. One day walking along a beach, crying, why won't you give me the tongues thing? I don't understand the Holy Spirit thing. Suddenly, boom, out starts to flow the tongues. We've all on a different journey with it. But what you don't do is shut down and go, well, that's not my kind of thing. Listen, Jesus died to fill you with his presence and with his power. So August 2011, I pick up these, these few kids and I'm like, wow, what's, what's happened here? And I'm dry. I've got one of them in the car and I'm driver I'm thinking what's happened to you guys and I'm thinking it must have been a really good meeting but they all said it wasn't what happened in the meeting it was anyway about three weeks later we were in one of our periods of prayer and fasting God just swept through the church I mean I had leaders saying I feel like I've been born again for the first time I never knew God could fall out the sky like this we went into periods when some of you begged me to open up the church building to pray in the evenings. You come in, lay your kids alongside the wall and seek God as a passion and a fire was stirred. We saw miracles, signs, wonders. Sandra McKinley was healed. I remember that meeting as I put my hand on her just... Now, we'd, we'd prayed for Sandra a gazillion times. We chucked Ribena over her oil, every, everything spiritual, got our shofars, danced little dances, tried Morris dancing, everything. Nothing could get her healed. But on that day, God turned up. And I remember as I put my hand on her head, it's just this thing happened. The Spirit of God just said, you know that verse, the power of God was present to heal the sick. And I just knew, and she knew too, this is the moment. Boom. Nobody's knowing why there was a seven-year fight for the moment, but then the moment came and you knew, wow. And this woman that had been uh, unable to walk, struggling, often in a wheelchair for six and a half years, completely healed. What about Lizette, who got out of a wheelchair? She'd arrived in her in a wheelchair, went to the travel lodge, stayed there. They helped her up to her room. Uh, what's wrong with you? I've come here to be healed. You watch by the end of the weekend, I'm going to be healed. That was Thursday. By Thursday evening, she was walking back through the hotel lobby, pushing her own wheelchair. Yeah. Led the Muslim receptionist to Christ. What about Michael Lockwood, who popped out of his wheelchair, both of his ears uh, completely opened. He, uh, his hearing came back, now out of a wheelchair, had to give back his disability card, start a business. I mean, he was transformed on a Thursday night. I think Nigel and a group of others prayed for him. Incredible. And you know, what happens when God pours out? Heaven starts to happen. We've got to retain a hunger for outpouring. Why? Because I'm here for the real thing. If you want to play church, there's lots of places you can play church. I want this to be a gate of heaven. It's who we are. I remember my, my mum sat probably in Paula's hair. She's probably at Paula's having her hair done. This woman sat next to her and this woman told the story of I was walking through town and these young people offered to pray for me. I was deaf and I'm not deaf anymore. They prayed for me and my ears popped open. And she, she, my mum was able to say, well, that's probably the kids from our church. I remember being in the city centre, there's about 800 people and Chris is leading the youth and they're doing words of knowledge and praying for people and pulling 
bandages off people and taking away their, their walking aids. And don't worry, they're not falling over, they're getting healed. Remember someone handed me a phone saying, I've got a friend in a public toilet somewhere. She's not a Christian, but I've told her that you'll pray for her. I'm there on the street. So I said, hello, he- hello. Um, this is a bit strange, isn't it? Yes, where are you? I'm in a cubicle in a public toilet. I've been out shopping, but I've got a very bad back. But someone's told me you'll pray for me. I said, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Do you know Jesus? No. Oh, well, um, you're about to. Um, and I prayed for her and it was funny over the phone. I could hear, oh, 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 what's that? Oh, oh, I can feel that. Oh, oh. I mean, what happens when God is in the atmosphere? And instead of playing the games, it suddenly becomes, he was here. And I didn't even know it. In our services, in our teams, in our connect groups, I'd really encourage you in your connect groups, don't avoid outpouring. Say, we're going to put on a CD right now and we're going to seek God for the outpouring of his spirit on us. Why? Because we live in outpourings. Because we are at our best when we have a sense of it's raining. I was looking at the rain. It was raining a few minutes ago. I was looking through the, through the fire door there, watching it come down. And again, thinking about that Welshman saying it was like debris from heaven everywhere. And I was thinking, that's how God wants to come. It's in the Bible. I will come like the rain. I'll fill the atmosphere. I'll change the climate over your house, over your prayer life. You might be going, nothing ever happens in my prayer life. Let it rain. Nothing ever happens in healing. Let it rain. People aren't getting saved through our project. Let it rain. I can't find out what to do with my kids. We're struggling as a family. Let it rain. There is a culture of outpouring that we want to live in where we draw heaven into our world. And I'll be honest with you, I'll be blunt. You just feel overwhelmed by the presence of God. But you know, God, I want to remain a gate for heaven, my life. And I know it's going to make some people be in awe. And it's also going to make some people a little afraid. But if you read the book of Acts, that's exactly what it felt like. I'm both kind of attracted and afraid of you all at the same time. That's what they were like with the church. Can we be that kind of church? where God pours out because when he pours out things happen and you'll never say again nothing ever happens around here